What would you say Vinny brings to the table? The drums. She's <laughs> gonna have us all whacked. compels <laughs> me. And we take the piss out of each other all the time. And Tony's a master of that, of course, but it was a good group effort, I think. Yeah, I think it worked really, really well. Certainly, the, this time's probably better than ever because we've really come together and yeah, it's, good band it's been really, really a big effort, you know. Thank you. Thank you. And this is Heaven and Hell. Welcome to Heaven and Hell. And hell, this is part of the Black Sabbath catalog proper here. This is canon material that we're going to be talking about today. The same lineup that brought you two absolutely banging Sabbath stones and mob rules and dehumanizer. But you know what? They specifically made sure that this offering that we're covering today, the main offering of the day, was not called Black Sabbath, people. So I will respect the honor of the eternal Ronnie James Dio and not mention the fact that this is, in fact, Black Sabbath, okay? It's heaven and hell. We have a little quick Best of Dio Black Sabbath album to cover, which a couple of new tracks showed up on. And we got the great original album, The Devil You Know. So strap in. Iommi was getting the itch to get his goddamn Dio fix. He even attended one of Dio's gigs on the Master of the Moon cycle that he was on. And after a few cold ones backstage with Ronnie, they kind of came up with the idea of laying down a couple of new tracks for this new Dio Sabbath compilation album that was set to be released called Black Sabbath, the Dio Years. So the two guys got together in early 2006, just Iommi and Ronnie to start in Iommi's home studio. And Dio had this to say about the early 2006 recording sessions with Tony Iommi. It was great. It was fun. I've always liked Tony. He's a good person, fun to be around. Obviously a brilliant player, which is always the first attraction, because if you don't like the player, you're kind of doomed. But it had been 10, 11, or even 12 years since I'd seen Tony, except he did come to one of our shows a couple of months ago that we had done in Birmingham. So I did get to see him for the first time, and it was just as it always was. Then when we worked together, it was the same productive thing that we've always gotten up to. Just the two of us, me playing bass, Tony playing guitar, a drum machine in Tony's studio. It was great. I think we both said inside to ourselves, damn, I forgot how good he was. So you can see where this is going now. There was a bit of kerfuffle around this time, too, as Iommi was planning to support a solo project that he was doing with another prominent Sabs alumni around this time. With hopes of touring that project and having the Dio band kind of be the headliner. But this actually seems to have caused some issues in the Aussie camp. And we'll discuss that later in another episode, even just know that I'm not skipping over the Iommi solo stuff here. We'll get into that stuff later, so do not fear. However, keeping the thread here with heaven and hell, some time had passed and the news of these Dio Iommi sessions leaked out, and obviously all the fan speculation turned to who was the rhythm section for these new tracks. The obvious first choice would be Geezer Butler and Bill Ward, right? Well, of course, Geezer was there from the fucking start. Fucking legend. He knows when shit's gonna be good. Bill Ward, however, he was quick to kind of, well... Be fucking nibby. <laughs> Announcing in overly dramatic fashion he was not going to record or tour with Heaven and Hell Project. So in that sense, Vinny should have been the first one to get the call, I think, here for this new Heaven and Hell Project. Honestly, I don't even know why there was rumors at this point of Bill Ward. I guess just because the whole reunion shit had been happening. So it was kind of a hangover from that. So anyway, 
Apathy it is. And here's Vinny himself. Well, this is the third time around for us. And, uh, you know, we started with I, when I joined the band, the Heaven and Hell tour, then Mob Rules, then we got together in Dehumanizer. And actually, I myself never thought it would happen again where this band would get back together again. But here we are. And um, I think now everybody's a little bit more mature. Everybody, I think, plays better now than they did years ago and more focused on their playing and and listening and stuff. And uh, now when we play together, it's just a monster. So Vinny Apice was flown in over to England where the material was being worked on, again over at Tony Iommi's gaff to start. In fact, Vinny was flown over in such a hurry that they didn't have a chance to arrange for his gear to get taken over with him. So in turn... We are given the final contribution of the Tony Martin era Sabbath here. For these three new tracks that appear on the Dio Years compilation, Apathy ended up playing the kit that was just chilling there in Tony's studio. And guess what? It was a kit that had once belonged to the late, great Sabbath legend, Cozy Powell. So some fucking solid Sabs mojo in that kit. I don't know if it was left there from the forbidden kind of rehearsal sessions or something, but sadly, in 1998... Cozy had actually been killed in a car accident. So actually, we need to give a proper fucking toast to Cozy Powell here as well, because, you know, I love the guy. So rest in peace, brother. I fucking love that man's playing. He's beyond pure class. Sabbath legend. And I'm sure he would have no problem whatsoever with Vinny Apice gracing his old kit. And he rips on these tracks, as Apice always does. So let's push the needle in, shall we? Push the just a short little EP kind of playthrough here. I won't spend too much time on this album or these three tracks. The first of this Dio years kind of triptych Tony and Ronnie conceived was The Devil Cried. A fucking juggernaut of a song right from the start. I love this track. Iomi's kind of doom riffing and Dio's sinister vocal stylings on this one. Very much in the same league as the Dehumanizer stuff. So coming off his solo work, which had kind of gravitated more towards you know, kind of a throwback to the 80s stuff. He kind of kicks back to where Sabbath was on this one. Like, I don't know if anyone else feels this, but I feel like Devil Cried has like a dehumanizer sauce and Shadow of the Wind has the mob rules kind of feel. Very falling off the edge of the world or over and over there. And then I guess by default, Ear in the Wall is more of a galloper, like your heaven and hell, wishing well, die young maybe, neon nights. Okay, I guess it's a stretch. Forget I said that, but the Devil Cried is badass. So let's bring up the lyrics here and take a look at what Dio is penning these days. So, one fine day in hell, the master told a story. Someone lied so well, he sent them back to glory. There are whispers between the screams, and this deed can be done. Even sinners must dream, and I can be the one to make the devil cry. Okay, so Dio's into that heaven and hell themes again. And this kind of story here is about a character kind of tricking the devil to get a pass out of hell up to heaven. And Dio, in glorious fucking Dio fashion, he takes the first-person viewpoint here to unfold this yarn for us. <laughs> kind of tenacious Steve style, right? <laughs> and he said, <laughs> I can win the game if all things come together. I know this sounds quite strange. I won't be smart, just clever. <laughs> the law on the other side, just to kill, lets you run. And how many have tried? I know I will be the one to make the devil cry. All right, so here we go, folks. The battle we've all been waiting for. The eternal Ronnie James Dio versus Lucifer. (laughs) At last my time has come. I must not give him pleasure. I can be the one 
one chance or burn forever. So I told him about my pain and the life that I'd been through, and he just smiled and the laughter came. Then I told him, I love you. And the devil cried. <laughs> there you go. Dio wins. <laughs> I love this song. It's a fun one to start. Then it's on to Shadow of the Wind, which is definitely the strongest of the three for me. The fact that Tony and Dio were able to just kind of hammer out these three tracks in a flash. I mean, it's fucking incredible how fucking quality the stuff is that comes out of these two. They really push each other, as always. Like The Devil Cried, it's also a fucking juggernaut riff monster kind of thing. But this is more in that mob rules kind of vein this time. I'd say it's a little bit more, you know, a little more space in it than The Devil Cried. Like sign of the southern cross or falling off the edge of the world so of course this is the one that i latch onto most because that's my favorite kind of deal flavor there the big epic spacey numbers i've heard that this song is about drug addictions as it seems like every song is about drug addictions and rock i kind of read it more universal than that like never being content or like your need to kind of find a self-worth but enough people have fucking latched on and said it's about addiction so let's just look at the words thinking about a smack addiction here shall we oh it's night again and the dark just killed the sun if the light must end you've got time to run away there's a door to dreams and it always lets you in but with a silent scream all the nightmares begin still you chase what you can't see like death and pain and sin and the shadow of the wind like this song is just damn near flawless just go check it out the way he delivers the hook is fucking genius and then, so the last one on this compilation of the three that we're going to cover here is Ear in the Wall, another great one. And this one really grew on me. At first, I wasn't into it as much as the others. I like the more plodding, heavy, kind of epic tracks. You know my taste. But this song fucking rips. Totally Born Again style riffing on this one, really. Like, the main riff, it's, it's pretty much, like, it's super fucking, like, trashed. <laughs> so I love it. Just raw power, relentless but the bridge riff in particular, well. Oh, the riff compels me. Yeah, as far as these three tracks go, that's got to get the comp's power of the riff flag there if I'm dishing them out. Dio has spoken extensively about the song too, saying that it's about a paranoid kind of conspiracy theorist bloke, but it's presented in this sort of boy who cried wolf kind of tale, as in the protagonist of the song has been kind of repeating his theories or his visions to the point that the people around him don't even believe him. So he keeps saying that there's like an ear in the wall, some something evil's in his house, and the friend arrives there to check it out, and of course there's nothing in the wall, to the dismay of Ronnie. <laughs> then your man is alone again, and he sees an eye in the wall, so it's sort of like this Twilight Zone kind of deal. It's also alluding to like wiretapping and government surveillance kind of thing. It's a great track. All three tracks created for this compilation are pretty fucking smoking. Like The lads definitely pull a... Tom Petty, like, Last Dance with Mary Jane kind of deal, where they th kind of throw on a new track that's not on any albums, they throw it on to, like, the greatest hits package, and it kind of becomes the greatest hits in itself, you know, like, even, like, Blind Man from Aerosmith on big ones. There's probably other examples, too, but you get it. Like, one-off singles that correspond with a greatest hits package. Let's look at the full track listing here, though, because, like I said, the new tracks were tagged on to this best of Dio's year compilation. So let's see how they choose to represent themselves as a full kind of era. It should also be mentioned that these tracks all got the kind of remastered treatment, which is done very well too. So pick the CD up if you ever see it. It's 
not on vinyl, unfortunately, but but this one I might actually just pick up on CD for the crack if I ever see it in the used bins. So you get from Heaven and Hell, there's Neon Knights, Lady Evil, Heaven and Hell, Die Young, and Lonely is the Word. So as per usual, Heaven and Hell gets the lion's share of the Dio years representation here. Five cuts there. I would have actually swapped out Lady Evil for like Children of the Sea, but they do rep Children of the Sea later for the live evil slot. But after Heaven and Hell, from the outstanding fucking Mob Rules, we get four tracks. You get The Mob Rules, Turn Up the Night, Voodoo, and Falling Off the Edge of the World. No sign of the Southern Cross? Oh, well. All songs from that album are fucking worthy of any best-of comp. I love Falling Off the Edge of the World being on there, too. And then from the underappreciated Dehumanizer, we only get three tracks on this compilation. You get After All the Dead, amazing. TV Crimes, that's a single, so it would be on there. And I. Now, it would have been nice to see Master of Insanity on there or like a deeper track like Buried Alive. But those are three great selects, and this is a best of album, right? So best of for the masses. Then, as mentioned, the Live Evil album is repped by Children of the Sea, which is a great fucking performance of it. There's no doubt about that. And then there's the three new songs that we just covered. So it's a great comp. They would later do like a proper box set with the complete albums, just like the Aussie black box set called The Rules of Hell. So the Dio era stuff has tons of solid releases over the years. Luckily, the WB kind of imprint called Rhino has kind of taken on all the Dio stuff. Unfortunately, there is that kind of deal where it's cashing in on after his death, but great special editions for all these albums out there. And the most important thing about this package was that Dio, Iomi, Geezer, and Vinny were now rolling as a fucking band again. So we can get to that lovely caravan now. Come on, join the traveler. It is a funny story. I think those stories are kind of best in the caravan. So several items to briefly kind of touch on here before we commence with the Heaven and Hell Dio years kind of support cycle. There were no keyboards on the new studio tracks. However, Jeff Nichols had since kind of parted ways with Iomi. And in fact, he'd gone on to work with Tony Martin again. But for the Heaven and Hell tours, they brought on Scott Warren from Dio's band. He handled the keys for all the old tracks from an offstage location, of course, the infamous fucking... Sabbath penalty box, as Dean Del Rey would say. The coolest part of this tour, though, is that there were two fucking great bands and support slots. You got Down and Megadeth as openers for the March kind of North American swing of the tour. Now, I just fucking missed this tour, actually, and I'm kicking myself now in hindsight as I could have made it happen, but I was in savings mode there, just out of college, starting to make it on my own, and I was actually off to Nova Scotia from Vancouver the same month that this concert rolled through my hometown. But I do remember specifically wanting to go because Down and Megadeth, I mean, I fucking love both those bands. And who knows, if I did, maybe I would have been a fucking Dio fan much earlier than 2019, right? Anyway, I missed the boat. But keeping their word of not being Black Sabbath anymore, they do not play any Ozzy or Tony Martin era tracks during these live shows. So let's take a look at one of the set lists here. This is actually the one from that Vancouver show that I missed. Just to rub salt on my fucking wounds here. So they open with E5150. Then they go into After All the Dead. That's a fucking killer opener. Then it's on to The Mob Rules, Children of the Sea, Lady Evil, Ear in the Wall makes it in there. I, Sign of the Southern Cross, Voodoo. Holy fucking shit, man. This set list, fucking fire. And it continues. They play the other new one, The Devil Cried. There's a drum solo, 
computer god, a little dehumanizer representation, Falling Off the Edge of the World, Shadow of the Wind. So they play all three of the new tracks. Love it. And they end with a Run of Heaven and Hell tracks, which ain't really my favorites, but it's cool. People love these ones. This is the obvious lead to the encore. They play Die Young, Heaven and Hell, and then the encore is Neon Knights. Man, just looking at that whole set. Yeah, guys, full on fucking regret for me. I'm just going to cry in my fucking beer here now. <laughs> Follow the tears. <laughs> the T.O. Years cycle was a great tour by the fucking looks of it. And unlike several of the last OzFest reunions that we've been covering, not a single date was postponed or canceled due to health or anything like that. And so at the time the tour ended, there was kind of a lot of talk wondering if this really was the end because they fucking worked as a band. Like, how could this powerhouse fucking just hang it up? Like, well... Do not fear, because the lads soon announced that they were working on a full-length album together with this lineup. The first together since the glorious Dehumanizer. So here's Geezer and Ronnie to kind of tell us about it. Yeah, I think we've picked up from Dehumanizer uh, where Dehumanizer left off. Um, We've still maintained the heavy aspects of the band. Kept it uh, basic. We haven't inundated it with keyboards or anything. So it's just, it's mainly just down to, you know, it was three-piece uh, drums, bass, guitar, and Ronnie singing. A little bit of keyboards here and that. As far as it being uh, a continuation of Dehumanizer, it certainly isn't in its entirety. But there are Dehumanizer, many, many Dehumanizer moments. But there are other moments, too. There are probably Heaven and Hell moments, and there are probably Mob Rules moments as well. The guys got together in Wales again at their old haunt in Rockfield. And from what I can gather, it went extremely smooth. There's no stories of them wanting to kill each other or sabotaging each other's mix like we got on Live Evil. Here's Vinny Abbasi here talking about the studio process. This is our second time at Rockfield. We did Dehumanizer here, 1991 or 92, and now all these years later we're here recording this album. Um, it's a great place. It's got so much history to it, and... Uh, and it's just got a vibe about it, you know? I mean, uh, I guess there's so many people that recorded here. It's just incredible. This record's probably not as dark as Dehumanizer. Some of it is, some of it isn't. I would say maybe it's it's still awfully heavy, and it's got a lot of uh, melodic overtones to it. But I think it's a little bit more modern-sounding, you know, a little bit more uh, polished. And there's some uh, great vocal melodies and just real heavy, cool riffs. going to be like really cool to play live you know there's a lot of open spaces and a lot of uh, places where we can maybe elaborate on it a little bit you know and i think uh, that'll come across well big places so okay we're gonna do a double drop here i'm gonna push the needle in again (laughs) man we're gonna have track marks by the end of this one here we go so the release date of this new heaven and hell offering but really black sabbath was april 28th 2009 and it was titled the devil you know great fucking title kind of a wink at the usage of the name heaven and hell instead of black sabbath if you think about it right it's like you know it's actually sabbath but as geezer and ronnie explain here it wasn't the first title that they had in mind um yeah we were just we were having a uh, office christmas party and ronnie just says what we're gonna call the album so we've got any ideas about calling the album and we just came up with all these silly ideas that I can't remember now. 
I think one was Villa slash Yankees or something. We had uh, a couple of bottles of really strong cider last night, and uh, we started uh, chucking some about. And uh, they, they were certainly not the titles we were going to use. I think one was uh, hemorrhoids. <laughs> oh, yeah, preparation H&H. <laughs> that of course is not going to be used, but you know it was it was the cider talking. We we had lots of laughs. Anything to do with the villa will be perfectly okay with Geezer. And so I told him you can't just call it the villa; it has to be called Villa slash Yankees because that's my team in America, my baseball team. And he loved that one. That's it. And then another bottle, and went, nah, that's pretty horrible. Preparation H and H, good one, Geese. I will admit that some of the track titles on here are even kind of suspect. Like I've heard people say that it's kind of goofy, like the the opener especially. It's called Atom and Evil. <laughs> like it definitely sounds like something that maybe Geezer came up with on the kip, drunk dreaming about the fucking fear of thermonuclear war through a fucking punny take on the book of Genesis. You know, geezer, and probably cringeworthy on paper to those snotty Martin era fans who love their geeky shit to be dead serious, but I eat this stuff up. It's just throughout the album, too. I mean, come on, there's double the pain, eating the cannibals. Like, these titles are pretty fucking piss-takey. I love it. Because all the songs fucking rip. Adam and Evil, musically, is a goddamn behemoth. Geezer's bass line on this one it's not to be ignored. He kind of has this sort of burst attack in the verses. It's just so powerful. And Iomi, man, like he unleashes, especially when Dio is in the band. He always has like, I know a lot of people don't care for the kind of more simplified heavy riffing that Iomi and Butler kind of lean heavily into really from this point forward. They kind of find a comfort zone that carries them well into their final works with Sabbath, but I fucking love it. And here it's perfect. I guess it's less kind of technical or less showy than the stuff Iomi was doing with Tony Martin and even in previous Dio offerings. But the tone from Geezer, especially on The Devil You Know, that's what fucking connects with me. So if you don't really give a shit about fucking production and tone, maybe the parts are a little less varied on this album for you. I can see that. But as far as an opener, Adam and Evil's great, sets the tone. The Devil You Know as a whole is less a direct pickup from Dehumanizer as the Dio year tracks were. But it's something new, you know? Something new yet familiar, <laughs> if that makes sense. It's the devil you know. <laughs> These guys, Iomi, Dio, Geezer, and Apathy, they can just churn out this epic shit at will, it seems. And it never feels called in, like some of the Aussie reunion stuff that we'll get to later does. This is high-quality, well-composed, fucking solid, original album. It's not a fucking nostalgic cash in they are a fucking band and things get a little faster quickly here too they know how to sequence things track two still in that doomy kind of zone but we get a track called fear let's just check out the lyrics on this one here and also for the first few tracks dio keeps it kind of biblical i mean it's happening hell after all right what do you expect if you've never heard before there was once a time when only god had fire the moon and stars and nothing more to lead you through the night if there's a hell and satan had a daughter he must have sent her here to hide that flame. We're still afraid. Must be because he taught her so well. We've seen the light. So why is it all the same? Okay, so lyrics are a little fucking Tony Martin-esque there, but the delivery and the fucking riffs around him, this is great stuff. Much better than anything the Martin era Sabbath did, for me anyway. Superstition, go away. We wear the mark. Fear! <laughs> There's this fucking cool vocal effect on there. Whenever he says fear, it's like ramped up with a sort of haunting, ghostly effect. It's awesome. Fuck, this album's great. I'm trying to think 
where I would actually place it in like the Sabbath Canyon, if one were allowed to call this canyon. I mean, but still, in the like even in the Dio Sabbath stuff, mob rules and dehumanizer are ahead of it. But this is like kind of neck and neck with dehumanizer for me. It's definitely above heaven and hell. So mob rules, dehumanizer, the devil you know, and heaven and hell. That's how I would rank them. I assume my opinion is wrong, right? <laughs> so feel free to tell me that on Twitter. Anyway, let's stay on track here. The third track on The Devil You Know was the glorious single and another goddamn highlight of the LP for sure, Bible Black. Even the Dio dismisser that I was back in the day, I remember hearing this track and being like, holy fuck, Sabbath is fucking still killing it. And I definitely had the MP3 of this album too back in the day. I didn't listen to it much, but I found proof on an old iPod that I recently charged up to have a look at what I had listen to back in the day like i hadn't updated that ipod since college so like 2010 ish and sure enough when i kicked into the h's bible black was on there there was also tony iomi's solo album which surprised me as well along with a lot of mark lanagan fucking nine inch nails david bowie that seems to be all i listened to in art school <laughs> it makes sense right like it's funny i i know it was only 10 years ago but that ipod is like a fucking time capsule now so that's pretty fucking cool there's some, of course, some classic Sabbath in there as well. Volume four and Master of Reality are on there, so I was still repping the Sabs even when I, even though I was leaning towards the more artsy kind of rock stuff. But Bible Black was in my possession, and it is heavy as fuck. I love the acoustic tone off the top too. Very different than Tony's usual clean tone, which I really like. I would have loved to hear more of his parts kind of done on this acoustic proper steel string kind of finger sounds, you know, or I guess prosthetic finger sounds. That makes it even cooler, right? Let's check out the lyrics here, too. The devil pulling the old switcheroo on someone seeking guidance from the good book here. At last alone, his fire's dying, burned another day. Now to pretend and make up an ending somewhere far away. He reached for a book all bound in leather, something that he knows he's never read. And the first page says, beware, you've found the answer. And the next one says, I wish you were dead. Don't go on. Put it back. You're reading from the Bible black. See, <laughs> a lot of fucking humor in this album. As dark and twisted as it is. I like that. Same thing on Dehumanizer, right? Mob rules even. Like, this track kind of picks up theme-wise from, uh, what was it called? Uh, too Late. You know, like that fucking condemned soul kind of thing. That's what Rye Guy's picking up anyway. <laughs> like... It's kind of cynical, not evil, more kind of mischievous. I don't know. That's what I'm picking up. At a basic level, it's about being corrupted by evil. There's the super hacky flash animation style video. Maybe the worst Sabbath or Dio video ever created. It's just fucking dog shit. But the music video shows an angel finding the Bible black and it drags her down and keeps her in hell. It's a terrible video. Don't even bother going to watch it. You'll be disappointed. But the theme's all laid out there, being corrupted by this book. I suggest you ignore that video and just enjoy this fucking great heavy offering that reeks of Black Sabbath. Sorry, I mean heaven and hell. This isn't Black Sabbath, remember? <laughs> Next song is called Double the Pain, and Geezer doubles his bass up. It's a great fucking intro. He plays this riff with like a flanger kind of tone on his bass, and then there's another second track of bass that's kind of a more just distorted straight ahead thing, and then boom, in comes Tony and Vinny. This might be the most Dehumanizer-styled track on this album, so I like it. I think it's about, like, sadomasochism or fucking torture or something. That's what I gather. Here's the lyrics. Double the pain, he's strong, he will survive. Double the pain, it will make him come alive. Double the pain, a slap in the face. 
to bring him back around. It's a touch like a cool morning rain. He's fallen from grace and slammed to the ground, and he begs for some more of the same. I don't think this song was ever even played live, but it would be interesting to see how Geezer would recreate that cool bass tone off the top. Maybe he uses like a wah pedal or some kind of doubling device. Double the Pain is pretty fucking relentless. It's a great track in the sequence, but, you know, it's not as good as the first couple that we've had here. Just like the next one, Rock and Roll Angel. Now, this song fucking screams Tony Martin, Cross Purposes, Era Sab. So I I still love it because Cross Purposes for me is right up there tied with Eternal Idol is, is my favorite fucking Tony Martin stuff. But tell me you couldn't picture the cat fucking belting out this stuff. Just close your eyes. You're on a caravan to Superman. Sweet home infection. He can kill you with a smile. He'll come to you. But like the wind, he's here today, then gone away. Be born again. Come taste the exhibition. Take a number. Come and join me in line. Here's where you will find your rock and roll angel. (laughs) So first thought I had was, is this another Rusty Angels kind of fallen pop star kind of thing like we got on Cross Purposes? But... No, it's more of a criticism of the kind of culty private religion thing. In the same way that Ronnie criticized televangelists and the TV crimes, he's now criticizing the more kind of hokey, new age, guru, culty stuff. That's what I'm picking up anyway. So I like Rock and Roll Angel. If anything, just sonically, it adds another level to the album. So the first five tracks, I have no problem with this LP. Stellar stuff. Well, here comes a little filler. And I'll just kind of skip over these ones. The next track called The Turn of the Screw, it's maybe my least favorite on the album. Still not that bad, but compared to the rest, I mean, maybe I need to come back to it. And To me, the verse is kind of bordering on that AOR realm that I shy away from, so I can't fully get into it. But it's still fucking Dio, so it doesn't completely turn me off. I'm just, I just think it's kind of bland, you know? It lacks that sharp edge that's been throughout this album so far. But the sharp edge kind of comes back here on the next track. It's a shining example of more of that cynical kind of dark humor that I love from Angry Dio. The track name alone is ridiculously camp and awesome. It's called Eating the Cannibals. I like it more than Turn of the Screw just for that campy vibe and hearing Dio sing, We're eating the cannibals. (laughs) Music-wise, it's not as cool as the others, though. Iomi, Vinny, and Geese, they still have their tones dialed the fuck in, but but they're just the weaker tracks on this really strong overall album, in my opinion. I want to get to the next track here, though, because this is definitely a standout sonically for me. Track 8 is my favorite of The Devil You Know, a song called Follow the Tears. This song is fucking next-level powerful for me. From that symphonic kind of build into the driving chorus, like, just next-level stuff here, even for Dio Sabbath. This is like the Dio Sabbath cashmere here. <laughs> Listen to this one loud. It'll, it'll blow your fucking head off. I personally would have opened the album with this. So epic. And the lyrics are cool. For an out-of-the-gate reunion album, this would be a perfect opener. So if you want to know where I've been hiding all these years, follow the tears. Fucking amazing track. Then we head into the final tracks. There's another kind of slight step down in quality, just for one track here. Like, for me, it's easy to know which tracks I would swap out for the three bonus tracks that were on the deal years, if that were something that the record man had to do, you know? I'd take out Turning the Screw, Eating the Cannibals, and this one here, Never Wear. I mean, the deal years tracks are far better than those. But still, you know, I'd rather have it all. I love Heaven and Hell's band's entire output. Neverwhere kind of sounds like something from the Dio's. 
that had been kind of slipped in here. Like, I could see this one on Magicka or something like that. She made the night, but the dark's all right. And his head became the hunter, a deadly bride. It's suicide, so take it slow, waiting alone for the witching hour, feeling the shock and the surge of power. She's come to know she makes her way to the door forbidden. (laughs) Tomorrow, she'll say that she did not really go there to never wear. Like, we're into that witchy, story-driven, Lady Evil kind of shit here as the record winds down. But wait, there's one more, and it's a great closer, too. Breaking into Heaven. This one is fucking solid to close. The chorus on this is awesome. Breaking into Heaven, changing the rules. Breaking into Heaven, just a world full of fools. Breaking into Heaven, get ready for war. Breaking into Heaven, we only want more and more and more and more. (laughs) It wouldn't be a Dio Sabbath true offering without a repeating words verse, right? More and more and more and more. On and on and on. Over and over and over. Classic Ronnie. What a pitch-perfect fucking Dio Sabbath album we get here. Come on, this is canon. It's got to be included. I've got a quote that I've pulled from a fellow Canadian author here, an outstanding Sabbath historian named Martin Popoff. And he talks here a bit about breaking into heaven. You should definitely track down any of his books if you can. They're kind of rare outside of North America but especially a book called Doom Let Loose, which is incredibly deep. Tons of justice to all the non-Aussie stuff, which is very important in today's day and age. <laughs> this quote is from his book, Black Sabbath FAQ, which is also a great little read. Learned all kinds of new things in there. Martin Popoff, go find his shit, lads. He writes, Breaking into Heaven is also a very straight song, not so politically oriented, but it could be. Or it could be socially oriented, because it's about... The angels who were once thrown out of heaven, which I guess become Lucifer's guys, wandering the earth for many millennia, and all this time they're plotting to get back into heaven and have a war with heaven. Sort of throw out the angels and throw out the supposed good people and take back what they've missed by having nothing on earth. And you know that that really kind of speaks about the same thing as people who have been oppressed or terribly dissatisfied and are revolting against it. So there's a couple of examples of that here. See, the way that Martin Popoff writes, he just kind of writes like he talks, writes like he's fucking doing a podcast, really. Just breaks down the songs and what they mean to him and stuff. So anyway, Breaking Heaven is a fucking rally cry at the end of the album. Whether it's got Popoff's hidden political agenda in there that he sees, that's really up to the listener. But the song, of course, is great through and through and through and through and through. (laughs) So that's the devil you know on Wax. And the cover art's pretty badass, too. I should kind of touch on that briefly here. The album's art is this crop of a painting. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. So some fucking Eastern European named guy. I'm I'm not going to try to begin to pronounce it. Oivind? Is that how you say it? Oivind? (laughs) Oivind Hagenshin. (laughs) Anyway, the piece is called Satan, and you can see why. Henry also makes an appearance on here. So Sabbath is still in there, man. The Henry logo is Black Sabbath, right? Accompanied by two numbers next to it, 25 and 41. I had to look this up on the forms. The numbers refer to a Bible verse, of course, Matthew 25, 41, which deals with the last judgment where those who sit at the left side of God are cast down into hell. And there's an alternative cover, too, that's only available in the States that just had that old Henry logo with the numbers on it. No Satan painting it. I actually kind of prefer that. The Satan thing is a little cheesy, kind of 
Gilmore del Toro kind of Pan's Labyrinth shit. I don't know. It's just too D and D hard for me. Whatever. It's cool, I guess. It's very Dio. <laughs> but the tracks on here are outstanding. If you see this album, pick it up. All right. To close things up, let's look at a bit of the tour here, supporting the devil you know. It is a funny story. I think those stories are kind of best in the caravan. And I'll just keep this brief because we've already kind of talked a lot here today. So the bulk of the tour went pretty well, but pretty soon things started to fall apart health-wise for pretty much everyone except for Geezer. It was discovered that Iomi needed hand surgery, but the tour just kind of soldiered on. They finished it out to its completion. The final gig was Saturday, August 29th, 2009. And after that tour was over, Tony went and got his hand surgery. Vinny as well had to go under the knife, but all is well on those fronts. I mean, those lads certainly can afford the best care. And there was even talk of them just starting up another cycle right away, booking out dates in Europe for the festival season already. However, and this is where shit gets serious. On November 25th, 2009, it was announced that Ronnie James Dio had stomach cancer. And not to drag things out here, after an epic battle, as one would expect from Ronnie, six months after his cancer announcement, on the 16th of May, 2010, the eternal Ronnie James Dio left our realm. We, of course, have to raise the darkest, purest pint of doom to a man that I've grown to love deeply. So, Salancha, Ronnie. And so, the previously announced 2010 festival dates were obviously canceled with the passing of Ronnie. However, only a month after his passing, it was announced that there would be an official tribute concert. Our good friend Glenn Hughes shows up on vocals with a Norwegian power metal dude named uh, Jan Land doing the shit that Hughesy could never even get close to. <laughs> you know, a voice of rock, right? And then Tony Iommi on guitar, Geezer Butler bass, Vinny Abbasi on drums, and Scott Warren on keyboards. So... With this chapter sadly coming to an end here, somewhat of an abrupt close with the passing of Dio there while they were still kind of touring, we're going to close the Bible black here. But there's still one last gasp from the old Sabs 4 to cover. I know, I know, it's sad. Just layer in the sadness at the end of this episode. So the next month, we'll focus back on Nibby, Iomi, Geezer, and Ozzy. Leading into the final album and the farewell tour, that will be the grand finale of Sabbath Bloody Podcast. For now, anyway. Who knows? Maybe they'll come back and we'll do a special edition. But also, for now, as a final tribute to Ronnie James Dio, I won't say my usual sign-off here. I'll just say, the lover of life is not a sinner, and the ending is just a beginner. Love you, Ronnie. 